talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and a plethora of podcast platforms. It's been three weeks plus March 8th, the last one. It's been a hiatus. Apologies for that. But it's probably a good thing we didn't record last week like we tried to, John Mita because then the Philadelphia Eagles went and made a move. It's good to be back with you, my friend. It's been a while, and you are fired up for this one. Joe, it's always good to be back to talk to you and uh, just give the people what they want to hear, and let's just uh, start with some Eagles bashing. I mean, I think that's kind (laughs) of the whole Delaware Valley is kind of in that boat, at least from everything from I've heard on different sports stations. But, um, yeah, so great to be back. We had a little hiatus, Joe. Obviously, you've been busy with – dealing with your hockey schedule and I've kind of been in school trying to finish up a course so but I'm happy to be back and I'm just ready to, to, to kick this off with some some great sport fodder so to speak well we're, we're gonna hit four for four all the Philly sports and we're gonna tackle some March Madness as well and let's start there Villanova okay. Wildcats season comes to an end the final four is a half set we've got a couple more elite eight games tonight uh, by the time most of you listen to this it'll probably be getting ready for the final four what have you made of march madness so far and touch on the villanova wildcats grateful is the word that comes to mind grateful that they were able to pull this tournament off so far without any hitches great idea by the ncaa the first time they'll ever get credit from me i can't believe i'm even saying that because i just hate them as an organization but for them to pull this off and listen just some of the shots just these kids playing their hearts out. It's just the tournament is like no other sporting event, in my opinion. I think it's the greatest one on the planet. And it's just been great. All the upsets that happened in the first couple rounds. Listen, you have a bad day. You don't show you don't come to play one day. You're not bringing your best stuff. You're going to get beat. It's that simple. And just to see teams going to run. I mean, look at look at a team like UCLA. Now, obviously, it's an historic program. But again, it's another team that was in that last four in playing game. And now they're one win away from, you know, beating Gonzaga to, to heading to the final four when they were one of the last teams in the tournament. So you got to love that aspect. As far as the tournament overall goes, I still think Gonzaga, I think it's going to be a Gonzaga Baylor final. I know they're the two favorites going in. I thought they, they were the two best teams all year. And I do like Gonzaga to cut down the nets. Um, so. That's kind of what I'm looking at. As far as Villanova goes, listen, they played their tails off against Baylor. They played 30 out of about 40 minutes that they played really strong. Right. And what is so, Johnny? I mean, I, I sure. had a we had a TV game that night. Uh-huh. Um, so I had to go sort of, and the game, the, you know, the puck drops. So I kind of, right as the wheels started to fall off the bus, you know, maybe a couple of minutes before that, Nova's up six or seven in the second half, early in the second half, and then. You know, I'm kind of half watching, half not. It just seemed like turnover, mm-hmm. Baylor basket, turnover, Baylor basket, uh, missed shot, three ball. And it just all of a sudden in two minutes, it went from a six-point lead or whatever to an eight-point deficit. 
and they never got any closer. What what did you see? So what I saw was Baylor being really physical with Villanova. And, you know, a good friend of mine, Tyrese pointed out, he said, listen, I've never seen so much hand checking in a college basketball game in my life, which which is a great point. Baylor just That's more of an NBA thing? No, because you can't hand check in the NBA. You could in the 90s, but all these right. LeBron apologists will tell you how, how much, how, how, you know, defense right. was played now. But, no, you really can't hand check. The refs were just letting them play. Listen, the officials didn't – I mean, they were a little spotty in the game. I will say that. The biggest difference was this. This is the game where the absence of Colin Gillespie yep. really came to the forefront. Because he could right? have settled things down, right? Made could've, a big shot, gotten to it, the rim. Exactly. Made a big shot, gotten other people open. When they started turning the ball over at will like they did in the second half and just giving up points off turnovers, that's where your veteran point guard presence is there to come in, settle down the troops. And you also got to keep in mind, too, he's, you know, co-Big East player of the year. He also brings 15 points a game to the table. So if other people are suffering shooting the basketball, he's another guy that could get you a timely bucket when you absolutely had to have one. And you could just tell that, you know, they're point guard by committee. Usually Villanova is a program that has a couple point guards in the barrel. This year they were kind of at a deficit because they really didn't have that backup point guard. Yeah, you could say Justin Moore, but he's kind of more of a more of a shooting guard, um, and, and he's a starter than than an actual point guard. Obviously, people saw with Javon Quinterly; he's the one that transferred to Alabama and really had a nice tournament. He would have been next in line to take the reins, and but he didn't want to wait his turn, and so it, it's just they kind of suffered because they didn't have that floor general. And you look at the teams that are left in in the show. And they all have pretty darn good floor generals. So it's just a huge deal. Listen, they played there. It was a weird season, you know, to get hurt with that much time left. It was, you know, in the season, it was kind of misfortune to some extent. And, but hey, give them credit. They battled hard. I was just happy they, they made it to the weekend. Such an right. accomplishment to make it to the Sweet 16. Another incredible coaching performance by the great soon to be Hall of Fame, Jay Wright. And listen, excited for next year. They have a top three uh, recruiting class in the country coming in. They're still waiting on a shooting guard that's basically down to Duke and Villanova. We'll see what happens. The other thing is, because this was an NCAA throwaway year, essentially this is like a pass. So guys that essentially Colin Gillespie could come back Samuels could come back because the NCAA Institute, because this was such a weird year due to the fact that everything going on with the pandemic, the real question is, is somebody going to transfer out of the program or is Gillespie going to come back? Is Samuels going to move on? So you don't know what's going to happen, but the bright, the future is always bright for Nova hoops. They got a lot of young guys in the fold that are only going to get better. You know, they, some guys that Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he's a guy that's probably going to test the waters in the NBA. And I'll tell you what, if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers and he's hanging around the late first round, I am scooping him up to be Tobias Harris's replacement. But that's just me. But why would they ever pick a Villanova guy? Because they're so far away. <laughs> just trade one, you know, just draft them and trade them. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I was very thrilled to see Nova compete the way they did. I was pumped for the program and, and the, the Garrett Hill faithful that we know so well that are 
that are diehard Wildcat supporters. And, and honestly, I was glad they got to the Sweet 16 as well because that was not – you know, when you lose the heart and soul of your team and, and then Moore got hurt right in the, um, in the game after – Gillespie yep, went Robin, down, and Robin's I didn't know. Game. I didn't know if they were either would be available. You know, if more would even be available for a turn. But to win a couple games, get to the Sweet Sixteen, um, was, was certainly was certainly well done. And uh, full marks to uh, Jay Wright, who, as you pointed out, has built just one heck of a program. All right, uh, to the birds. Uh, we still have Flyers, Sixers, and Phillies to get to with the Phillies opening day just uh, about forty eight hours from now. To the birds, a lot to unpack here. Joe Flacco signed as the backup. Eh, doesn't do much for me, whether he's supposed to play or not play, whether he's going to be the backup or whether he's going to, you know, lead this team to the promised land when Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, gets injured in week two. Like, I'm not – I'm just – I don't like it. I, I don't care what they gave him money-wise. They needed a backup. It is what it is. It, if he comes in, we're screwed. So – It's three and a half million dollars. I mean, people are treating it like he got paid ten million dollars. I don't understand. Like three and a half million dollars. I'm like, he's a backup quarterback. I mean, the 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 the, the league minimum salary is like a million bucks these days. So three million for to get a a veteran backup. I really don't think they overpaid, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah. And listen again, if he comes in, you know, yeah. what are you expecting? All right, Nothing. maybe maybe he maybe he saves a game, maybe he keeps you in a game, maybe he wins a few games. I don't know. The NFL's a crazy league. Uh, almost won a playoff game with freaking Josh McCown on one leg a couple years ago. So crazier things have happened. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl to back up for crying out loud. So uh, whatever. I don't really care about the Joe Flacco signing. And, and you're right, it got a lot of people hot and bothered in the Delaware Valley. But uh, obviously, Anthony Harris now added as a safety. The signed, only move. Signed for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, a guy that uh, has gotten some good time in the NFL, has some experience. With Ronnie McLeod, not sure for the start of the year. And really no other secondary help to speak of. Jalen Mills departing to the Patriots. They had to sign somebody. So uh, I like that move as well. But let's get to the draft day where you and I and the rest <sighs> of the Eagles fans for weeks were banking. Mm. Uh, months, really, as the season was spiraling out of control. You know, lose that last game, get a top five pick. Lose that last game, get a top five pick. And now they're picking 12th. What do you think of, of all this? Uh, first, the Dolphins moving out. Or, yes, so the 49ers could jump up to three. Then the Dolphins moving back up with the Eagles. And, uh, and how all this shook out. Hate, Joe. And I hate to use that word, hate, because we shouldn't be using that word in this day and age. But I just hate everything that this general manager does. I can't take it anymore. Okay, you're in the top six, right? Now they're going to give you all the bullcrap justification of why they decide to move back from six to 12. Well, we're not sure if Jamar Chase is going to be there. Uh, We're not sure if uh, Kyle Pitts. Like, listen, you have to get this kid a weapon. And I guarantee the way that these quarterbacks are performing at their draft days, that one of these playmakers is going to be on the board. For sure. For, For example. Right. Obviously, it looks like Trevor Lawrence at one, Zach Wilson at two. Then the report comes out that it was leaked out that the Eagles tried to zip up to number three because they probably didn't think the Jets were going to take um, Zach Wilson. But we all knew damn well that Zach Wilson was probably going to. Right. Then in the third slot, it's like, well, what's Miami going to do? Are they going to take a quarterback? Are they set with Tua? Are they going to get Tua a weapon? But then they sign Will Fuller, a receiver in the offseason. So then they're like, well, maybe they're not going to go receiver. 
defense. Maybe they'll take the offensive tackle. And then you have Elena. Elena's got, you know, in the four slot, Elena's got an aging Matt Ryan with two years left on his deal. So the, the likelihood of them maybe taking a guy like Justin Fields is certainly possible. Or do they take a guy like Kyle Pitts and give him to Matt Ryan? Or do they take another receiver to replace Julio Jones, Jamar Chase? But, and again, you have the offensive tackle from Oregon, Penny Sewell. So if you want to rebuild the trenches, and let's just say Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase are gone, then maybe you take Penny Sewell at six. When you move back from six to 12, it just increases your chances of screwing the hell up. Yes. And we all know that this organization is the monumental group of screw-ups when it comes to drafting talent. Look, now, I, think, I think we can all say, I think we can all agree, three quarterbacks are going to go probably in the top five, right? For sure, one, two. For, for sure, sure, two. 100%. For sure, 100% two. So maybe, now you had, right, right, maybe three. So worst case scenario, there are at picks three, four, and five, some form of non-quarterbacks off the board. So you are getting the fourth best player for your scouts money, non-quarterback at number six if you stay there. Whether it's a skill position or as you touched on the lineman or if you think the cornerback, you know, the defensive cornerback is too high, meaning you don't take a guy at that position at six, then to me, why not wait to make the trade? Why make the move now? If your scouts are doing their homework and your management team has their act together, the longer you wait, the more desperate teams get. Somebody's going to want to move up draft day. That's when you you make your move. And you go, you know what? We don't like the way the first three picks in the draft went, or we were surprised that this happened. Let's go from 6 to 12, and now here are two guys we're keeping our eyes on. Making the move now, I just don't get it. I don't think that – look – they ended up with basically a, a pick in the 20s, as far as I'm concerned. And all these right. picks in the 20s don't do jack, okay? They don't, right. they don't have any value. They don't mean squat. Because the Miami Dolphins are going to be a good football team. They were already an improved football team. They have a great defense. Whether you believe in two or not, they clearly are moving forward with them because Fitzpatrick has moved on. And now they're going to add a player at six that's really going to help their squad. So they're they're to me at least at least an eight win team. Yeah, and, and and they have the I think they have the 18th pick too this. Year. So if they go even if they go eight and eight or nine and seven, you're not picking that pick now for them next year isn't any better than 15th, and you might get the Colts pick if Wentz stays healthy. We all know that's going to be in the 20s. So right. what did the Eagles actually acquire eight, for eight, Wentz eight. and and the Dolphins pick like? They got mid-round picks. What the Dolphins acquired a couple years ago turned out to be the number three pick, right? Because they got right. it from the Texans. Because the Texans turned into a grease fire. Now, can you predict the Texans were going to be a grease fire? No. And maybe the Dolphins will be a grease fire. And maybe the Colts will blow up and they won't have a good season. But the hope is, it, it seems very faint, that these picks are going to actually have a lot of worth. And here's, we all know how Howie Roseman loves the wheel and deal. There's not a shot in hell. Mark this down. There is not a shot in hell, and this isn't a news flash. There's not a shot in hell that the Philadelphia Eagles make three first-round picks next year. Not a shot. They're going to package. They're going to move. They're either going to move up and try and get a quarterback next year if Hurts doesn't work out, or they're going to try and make a trade 
and they're talking about Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. It's like, this is what Howie does. He plays fantasy football GM. When it comes time to make a real pick, he can't get it right. Which is why, to your point, at number six, you take the best damn player available and you live with it. That's why we endured the garbage season we endured. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, and exactly, the, the, and I, I totally agree with you. When you're picking in the 20s, it's a total crapshoot. When you're in the top 10, you should hard. get a pro bowler for a yes, decade. For a decade, for a decade. And let's reiterate that, for a decade. Look now at Lane that, Johnson. Now that White Snake has moved on to the San Francisco 49ers, good luck, White Snake, Nathan Jerry. That means there's only one player left from the 2017 draft class, and that's Derek Barnett. And they had to re-sign him for $10 million. Just utter failures between classes 16 and 17. So you want to give Howie more ammunition. And again, I agree with you. There's no way that they're going to keep three first-round picks. Or can they turn them into players? I mean, you would like to think with a good GM, you'd be able to get three talented players that are going to help your football team and become starters for your football team over the next 10 years. But my whole thing is like, I don't want to hear this, this, this crap saying that, well, it looks like the Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase. That way they can link him back up with Joe Burrow. Fine. Then take Kyle Pitts. Right. And if he's not available, fine. Then take the offense, the best offensive tackle in the entire draft, Penny Sewell, and you know you have a player that's right. going to be with your football team that's most likely going to be a pro bowler and a stud for the next 10 years. Right. And, and Moving listen. back to 12, here's insult to injury too, okay? Now we're picking behind. The Dallas Cowboys at 10, New York Giants at 11. And what if they take the guys that are on the board? So I think I told you this before. At at, at that 12 pick, there better be three guys on the board. If Patrick Sertan's not on the board, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. And again, at this, I think it'd be great value, even though the Eagles will not do this since they haven't done it in 41 freaking years. Micah Parsons, the, the linebacker from Penn State. If they don't get one of those four guys at 12, then this 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 draft charade moving back, I'm the smartest guy in the room, is an absolute travesty and another just disgrace of a move by Howie Rose. I agree. I, I, honestly, you're, you're, you're spot on because, look, they need a cornerback. The, the defense needs help. Sure. They need a wide receiver. Sure. And, you know, I, I don't know who's the second best tackle in the draft. I keep hearing this kid's name. Uh, Ray Sean Slater. Yes. Tackle from Northwestern. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess he could be in play, right? Uh, sure. So, so you get the second best lineman uh, sure. by all accounts. But, again, we've seen Danny Watkins. We've yeah. seen, you know, uh, Derek Barnett not, not – sure. uh, produce we've seen i mean pick your first rounder in those teens where the eagles have guessed or jumped or you know who knows about um god who's the who's the the, andre dillard like who knows right we don't know but we knew lane johnson the chances of lane johnson being a bust slim to none because you took him at fourth overall or fifth overall whatever he was like you the chance and when everybody on the planet says that these 10 guys, okay, let's throw the quarterbacks out for a minute because they can be a little tricky. Sure. Every year, if you took the, the top four quarterbacks and just threw them out of the first round and you just said, non-quarterbacks, here's 10 guys, most times you are going to hit 
especially if you slim it down to the top five, right? Whether it's receiver, linebacker, DN, like those guys are difference makers, right? Chase Young, everybody knew he was going to be a player, transform the Redskins defense. One of the best players to come out. Saquon Barkley, right? Like we're talking about guys that weren't quarterbacks, that went recently in the top five to divisional rivals who are guys that changed those franchises. Now Barkley's been hurt, but like they're difference makers. The Eagles need, I get it, a lot of difference makers. We've seen that. But to back up and acquire more assets just for Howie to wheel and deal, hashtag Howie season, I just, I've seen enough of it. We've seen enough of it. We should know better. And Jeffrey Lurie enables this guy to wheel and deal. And look, I, 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 I could see this coming from a mile away. They're going to get somebody. It's, it's going to be a great draft this year, and everybody's going to be back on Howie. Like, at some point, throwing darts at the board, you got to hit one. But to me, and I think you, and a lot of people out there, it was a safe bet to stay at six, take one of the two or three best players in college football that aren't quarterbacks. They help your franchise. If they're healthy, they help you for a long time. Instead, now, we're going to play this wheel and deal game. And let me just say this. I don't want Russell Wilson for 160 first-round picks because who the hell is he going to play with? Okay, and I don't want Deshaun Watson because I don't. Like, what has Deshaun Watson won in his career, in his NFL career? What's he done? He is he is in serious hot water. If well, I know he's in hot water, but I just throw all that out. Yeah, yeah, throw yeah. Throw all that out. If you if you right. tell me tomorrow you're gonna have Deshaun Watson, I'm not. We're not planning a Super Bowl parade. The no, offensive line is in borderline hey, shambles, and there's no receivers. Yes, zero receivers. Are we zero. forgetting? That Carson Wentz was one of the top five, top ten for sure quarterbacks in the league as recently as like in the eyes of many, as recently as like 18 months ago. Is anybody forgetting that? I mean, we had a quarterback, ran him out of town because of mismanaged and failures of the organization. You're going to tell me that all of a sudden we want a 30-some-year-old Russell Wilson for 106 draft picks? Yeah. When he's going to run for his life and have nobody to throw to? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I heard that. It's like, listen, listen, okay, quarterback is an issue, okay, because, like, it, everyone, listen, it, it's something that lacks in the entire NFL, right? You need to find the franchise guy. I get it. But when your football team is riddled like a block of Swiss cheese and you have holes at cornerback, you have holes at safety, you have holes at linebacker. You need depth at offensive both line. Both lines. You need yes. both lines, defensive line. I mean, this team needs like 10 to 11 new players. So yep. to think that one quarterback, one veteran savvy great quarterback is going to solve the problems of your football team, you're not looking in the mirror. You right. are delusional. You yes. are on drugs and delusional because I don't care. If, listen, you give up three first-round picks for I'm not doing it. Because no. why would you do it? The guy's an aging quarterback. And again, what type of message are you sending to your damn football team? And the, and Especially the cap the, hit. Think about right. the cap hit. You're going to pay this guy $25 million when he's already 10 years into his career? Or in Deshaun yeah. Watson, what's he played, six years? Like, what, yeah, are, yeah, what are we yeah. talking about here? Well, and why, again, This shouldn't even be conversation. And maybe in NovaCare, maybe behind closed doors, they're laughing at all this from the national yeah, media. Yeah, sure. But, but at some point, they're not gonna. I'll say it again. They will not take three guys next year in the first round. If again, yeah. that's if the Colts becomes a first rounder. Right. They're going to try and take two of them and move right. up four spots. Right. Well, what? you were six overall this year, and you backed out. 
So now next year you're hedging to move back. Like mm-hmm. I'd rather this. I'd rather Jalen Hurts get behind the kid, give him the best player available that doesn't play his position for the love of God. Mm-hmm. In this year's draft, yep. you know that if Wentz stays healthy, you have a late 20s pick most likely next year. And if you don't have a good season because it's Hurts or otherwise, you have a high first rounder next year. And maybe you realize, hey, Hurts can play, but the team's not good enough this upcoming season. So now maybe it's a seven and nine year with Hurts, but it's not his damn fault. So now you have the Colts pick and you have a top 10 pick. Now you're adding another player yeah. and you have a high second round pick because your, your season stunk again. And then you have a legitimate chance between this year with your first rounder at six overall and a high second rounder and next year, two first rounders and a high second rounder. Plus you have the Colts additional, what third round pick this year. Like you could add four, five, six players over the next two drafts to help Jalen Hurts. And if you didn't believe in Jalen Hurts or you still don't believe in Jalen Hurts, then you screwed up last year, which we all thought was the case to begin with. Correct. In which case, the GM should be, see you later. Yep. Great points. Listen, my perfect dream scenario is this, okay? This is what I hope happens, right? I hope, like, Devontae Smith or Waddle falls to 12, right? They scoop him up. Then they use their first round crazy draft capital. And then they sneak back into the first round in the 20s this year, right? Yep. Then they give up two picks, and then they go get that thumper middle linebacker that I want, the absolute crazy raging of an athlete, Zavon Collins. And then with their second round Where's he pick, from? Hang on. Where's he from? Because if he doesn't have a brain or he's not ready to play, like Davion Taylor is supposed to be a crazy athlete. The guy nah, couldn't nah. get on the field. No, no, no. this nah, guy nah. play football? No, this guy is an absolute monster. Look him up. Zavon Collins from Tulsa. He was the Blitner, or he was the uh, Benaric Award and Buckus Award, or Bronco Nagurski. He won, basically, he picked up all the defensive hardware in the country. That's how good this kid is. He's 6'5", he's 260 pounds, and he can run like an absolute deer. That's who I want. You go back, you get him. He then becomes the captain, the middle linebacker, your defense for the next 10 years. And then you go get a Sonny Samuel Jr., who is like the third best corner in the draft. And now you have three players that will be able to become starters for your football team for the next 10 years. That is my dream scenario. I don't know if Howie Roseman's listening. I do know where he lives. Maybe I could possibly drop him a copy <laughs> of the podcast. He could just, you know, give a listen or maybe send the, the Eagles website a link like, hey, grab a listen. Maybe some, inter- maybe some information you knuckleheads might be interested in. But for me, that is the perfect dream scenario. Because that's why I wanted the Colts' first-round pick this year. Because I know guaranteed that Zayvon Collins will be there at like 2021, and you're you know you can just you can you can just get a captain. I want playmakers for this football team. I want Jalen Hurts to have a playmaker. Okay, you don't do this kid favors if you don't get him playmakers. How can anyone succeed without playmakers? Okay, it's it's it's. Well, the other way is, and, and is to go get a running, another running back, too. That'll help if you decide to commit to run the football. But anyway, that's my dream scenario. Okay, Get one of the two Alabama wide receivers that falls at 12, get back in the first round, get the middle linebacker, and go get Asani Samuel Jr. or J.C. Horn. But there's no way he's lasting considering he just blazed a 340. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I I would like some help on the line too because yeah yeah Brandon and I, Brooks, Jason right, Kelsey, sure. Lane Johnson, all question marks. 
Well, again, uh, and then maybe you just load year. up on offensive linemen next year. You figure you go one more try with the aging veterans that we have on this team, and maybe you load up on linemen. But to, to give up all these picks to try to acquire an aging quarterback, sorry, that's a hard pass for me. I'm out there. Or if they're going to try and use all these assets next year to move up and take quarterback because Hurts either fails or they don't believe in them, just sure. now you've just wasted two years. I just don't understand how you can make the evaluation that you don't believe in a guy that you drafted in the second round a year ago. He then yep. wins his first start against a good football team in the New Orleans Saints. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, we don't know if he's the guy. Well, how, you got to give him more. Yes. First of all, you got to give him an offensive line that's not having 16 different combinations like a Rubik's Cube, for Christ's sake. Yep. And you and you got to just like – it's just – man, it's, it, they just – they aggravate – they are just they just aggravate me every day it feels like they're like i, I feel like i'm the voodoo doll of <laughs> eagles fans and they're like here you go john you weren't feeling pain here's friday afternoon we're gonna move back in the draft boom here's the needle ow what are you doing i hate this oh they're gonna do something else stupid ow then i'm gonna get another damn needle like i can't take it anymore i can't i love it I love it. Brother of Love Podcast on Twitter <laughs> at Love Podcast. All right, we got to move on. We got yeah, Phillies, Flyers, and Sixers. And sure. Bede's on his way back, hopefully. Yes, Sixers sir. clinging and to that top spot in the East. Uh, update our fans on our possible Embiid buyout scenario for MVP. Uh, all right. So now he was off the board. He was hurt. But then word has come across that Doc Rivers has um, basically said that Embiid should be back after the next two games. So, that is fantastic news, and now the MVP is up $100. So, so we're back in. We could cash out right now at a hundo. And I love what Tobias Harris said. He said, listen, we're trying to maintain the number one spot in the East so that Joel, and, Joel Embiid wins the MVP. And got to love Toby and got to love his play over the last 10 games. He's been an absolute monster, all-star, making his money as far as that contract goes this year, 100%. And, Listen, I think he's going to come back in and he's going to win the MVP. So, I don't know. Maybe we could do a poll of our podcast listeners. Should Joe and John cash out? I say we roll the dice, baby. And roll the dice. And you know how I feel because today I sent you which YouTube music video. Oh, uh, that's what that was about. See, I didn't know. If, tell the listeners what the video was. because So, today you, today you texted me and said, MB, so – for those that maybe missed it, you and I split a very light investment on Joel Embiid to win the MVP very early in the season. Yeah, start, if, start of the season. It, yes, and if he wins, what's it pay out? All right, so we put a $25 right. – or no, no, wait. Yeah, yeah 25 20, bucks combined. Combined. We should, yeah. God knows why we didn't throw 100 But at the beginning of the season, <laughs> he was at 40 to 1. So if we put $100 down, it would have paid out $4,000. Our $25 is the likelihood it's going to pay out $1,025. So we get right. our money back and plus 500 each. Now, Joe, I am willing to buy you out for your $1,250. <laughs> I just thought about this. I'll buy your $1,250 out, and then I'll keep the $1,000 when we win. So you let me know if that's what you want to do. Well, so today you texted me that his they, they had re-updated his odds because he's supposed to return to the lineup. Right. And 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 FanDuel or whoever you use is willing still to let us cash Draft out Kings. again yep. a twenty yeah, DraftKings, a twenty five dollar total investment. They're willing to let us cash out and they'll pay us a hundred bucks. Yep. Because they're fearing that JoJo's gonna come back like a monster 
and they'd have to pay us a grand if he wins MVP. Again, we're splitting it. Right. And at one point, it moved and all you know the way me, up. I'm at scared. the highest point of the buyout, what it was, was 400, it? Two, right? 230, I think. 239. Yeah. So I'm scared. The reason we didn't put down 100 is because I'm cheap and I don't have that kind of money. Uh-huh. And I'm scared. I, I, I like the $1 wagers when I go to Vegas. Give me, the two do- give me the $2 parlay that pays out a million bucks. It'll never hit. <laughs> you're more of the, I'm going to lay a hundred to win two fifty. <laughs> so when you texted me today and said, Hey, Joe, Joe's cash out values now at a hundred bucks. I sent you a link to the Steve Miller band video. Take the money and run. <laughs> yes, you did. And I had no idea what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. That was me saying, sell, sell, sell. Yep. Let's take that money and run baby. Anyway, we digress. What do you think of the George Hill move? Uh, George Hill move. Um, listen, as much as I wanted Kyle Lowry, and, and I did, um, I was willing to give up maybe a couple first-round picks, and I was going to give up Tyrese Maxey. But when Toronto was calling for Matisse Thibel, Tyrese Maxey, and two first-round picks, again, that's a hard pass. See you later, Masafi Jari, or whatever the hell the general manager's name is in Toronto. Sorry if I misspoke your last name. There's no way I'm taking that. So what do they get? They get the runner-up door prize of George Hill. Listen, George Hill, when he played for the Milwaukee Bucks, people don't remember, he led the league in three-point percentage at 46%. He's a great defensive player. He is coming off a thumb injury. There are concerns there. He should be ready to go within a week or two. I'm thinking more of the two-week realm. And he has got that veteran presence. He's been involved in big playoff games, and so I like it. For the money, I was hoping to get maybe somebody in the buyout market. You know, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets are sucking up the buyout market like, you know, goldfish but um but it's fine i i do like the move for george hill because what do we give up nothing really you basically showcase that center uh what tony bradley that we got in the zaire smith trade and you showcase him to see that he was like a, a decent young center and you, you got george hill a veteran point guard presence and let's bring it man i think this team's ready to go um obviously the brooklyn nets are loaned up but They've made some signings, which kind of makes you think about, is Kevin Durant really going to be healthy for the stretch run with the signings of Blake Griffin and and um, LaMarcus, LaMarcus Aldridge? Aldridge yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge. So, um, listen, I like what they did, the chemistry on this team as well. You've got to love the fact that since Joel Embiid's been out, they're, what, 9-2 and two in the last 11 games, something like that. So, yep. you got to like where they're at if they can – you know, people can just find their roles. And if Dwight Howard can stop getting ejected from every basketball game that he's playing in these days, I think they're going to be just fine. So one, one word answer, biggest threat, Nets or Bucks? Got to go with the Nets, the firepower. Follow-up yeah. question. Are you sure. willing to apologize to the world for your bashing of Matisse Thibel? Well, Okay, sure. That's gotta, fine. You can say no. We'll move on. But no, I, I listen, I didn't bash him. Listen. You called the Mike Messinelli show, and you kept calling him Thimble, and it upset Tyrone Johnson to the point where he hung up on you. <laughs> Don't think I forgot about that. Although that's true. That's true. I'm not a fan. <laughs> You're, that's very true. And, and to this day, I still want a Brandon Clark, who plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, um, because I think he could contribute more on the offense end. But listen. I was I, three months, four months ago. I was all about trading Thibel to acquire an asset like Kyle Lowry. After seeing what he does on the defensive end, he's one of the top ten defenders in the all of the NBA. And when you're going to go up against Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, you're going to need somebody with his defensive type skills and prowess. And so, 
Uh, HS, if you could just hit can, a couple can more you open win, sure. Can you win a conference final, an NBA final, sure. with Embiid and Harris being your absolute alpha males, Simmons distributing and defending, and Thibel defending with some complimentary shooting? Yes. Okay, I agree. I, I think this team, look, we've been hyped before about this Sixers team. We've been let down. Playoff sure. series against the Celtics and what well, I mean – but this team, they have something special going. They play they for do. each other. They're well coached for the love of God. Thank God for Doc Rivers. And yeah. they can defend. And they have different guys stepping up. So uh, I, I'm glad they didn't make any major moves. I'm with you. Um, and I've been watching a lot of Sixers basketball lately. All right, on to the Philadelphia Flyers. Shane Gosses bear on waivers today. Another, Flyers... jer- Another jersey and oh. John me to Sinbin. There goes his Flyers sweater. <laughs> See you later. Come on, Throw God. that at Throw that in the oil barrel and oh, chuck God. in a match. Oh, I mean, the graveyard of jerseys. Can you I give us a top? On. Can you give us a top five jerseys that you bought that now need to be burned or have been burned? Well, I mean, Carson Wentz, I guess <laughs> that'll be up there. The uh, Deshaun jersey that I recently acquired. Uh, uh, how about who was the linebacker? You had uh, oh, Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Hicks. Oh, I have Jordan Ken- Hicks. I have a Michael Kendrick still. <laughs> don't let's not get mistaken there. I mean, uh, I don't even think I've one Eagles player that's still on the roster right now. Do you it, have no, a Sixers jersey that you can add to this list? I do not. I've never really, there was not really one person that I wanted to buy a Sixers jerseys. Obviously, during the process, I wasn't going to go out and get a Jakar Sampson jersey. But, uh, <laughs> but so no, I've Who? no six or two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, how about, or how Phillies? about, how about Tony, Phillies? T- Tony Roten? No, I don't have Oof. any Phillies jerseys. So yeah, all my jerseys were basically Eagles based. Um, so yeah, so they're all going in the ash can or just set away and well, hand them listen, down. Listen, the, the flyers the one, are speaking the one that'll of the survive. Yeah. The one that'll survive for a lifetime is the Pride Dawkins. That ain't going nowhere, baby. Yeah, the guy. So, anyway. Uh, the ahead. Flyers have been a grease fire defensively. I can't put my grease finger fire. on it. Oh, my God. Um, those games against the Rangers, my goodness, just lack of compete, lack of winning battles, lack of covering up defensively, goaltenders not being able to make a big save. I mean, it seemed to start in that Lake Tahoe game. Now, they mm-hmm. stabilized a little bit after the Tahoe game, but I, I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Look, we knew their defense wasn't as strong. But they, they were able earlier in the year, even when Hart wasn't playing great, to win games, to put themselves in a playoff spot. Now they're still a few points out. They don't have games in hand anymore. Uh, this team might not make the playoffs. And we said, this, we said months ago when the NHL yep. announced the divisional line in the schedule, it was going to be hard and some good teams are going to get left out. And I went with my homer, you know, positivity. Like, I think they're going to get in. I'm confident they're going to get in. It's going to be a good team. They got good experience last year. But there are guys that just haven't taken that next step. Sandheim and Myers are two of them. Obviously, yep. Gossis Bear now is either going to be in the minors or bought out or claimed on waivers. Um, it, it's, been, it's been rough. But they somehow, I didn't watch the game last night, but they somehow say, literally, literally <laughs> saved their season. Yeah. rallying from 3 nothing down against the hapless Buffalo Sabres who haven't won a game in over a calendar month. Um, you can Crazy. give the Sabres the point when you're getting two yeah. because they have like 20 on the year. So, oh, man, that was, that was a season saver. Um, we'll see. 
We'll see how this team responds. They have Buffalo again. You have to win all those games because everybody else has beaten them. And we'll see if Philadelphia, if the Flyers can find a way to stabilize here. The good thing is there's enough time, right? You still have 20-some games to go, whereas or 20 games, whatever it is. Whereas if it was down to 10 games, this team would be cooked. So they've got to get on a roll. I don't know what's wrong with Carter Hart. Mm. I don't know if he can be fixed. I've often said that you need practice time and you need days off when you're going like you are. And this schedule is not affording any team in the NHL that, let alone those that had the COVID issues and basically lost, you know, sat for 10 days or whatever. And then now you got to play every other night. You can't get a mental day. You can't have two good practice days or three good practice days. And then you play on a Friday. Like there's none of that in today's NHL because of the condensed schedule. So they don't have that luxury of, all right, Carter Hart, it's two days. You know, the whole team's taking two days off. We're going to practice for two days. And then we got a Friday, Sunday game. That's how you get your mind right. That's how you go back to the fundamentals. And they don't have that opportunity. I don't know if the kid can figure it out this year. It's very concerning. It's very disappointing. But the Flyers got some work to do. And they better start on Wednesday in this rematch against the Sabres on playing the right way, using a full team effort defensively, and they need some goddamn saves. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, just yep. like, yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit on anything that I would talk about, but you're right. I mean, it's you, you figure you're going to have progression, and there's nothing but regression at the blue line, specifically when you're talking about Sanheim and Myers. I mean, Myers is having a horrific year, and everyone thought that he was like, I mean, it, it's just amazing with the way they were playing in the bubble at the end of the year last year. Yep, and then even they play; they're playing decent early on, and then they've just—I mean, so many times they've—and again, the goaltending has not been great. But they, and even some of the fours, I mean, they are just letting their goaltender out to dry too many yep. times, and that's just been a huge problem. And then you're like, and, God, were they not responding to the coach? I mean, I still believe her in the coach, but yes. then I heard Vigneault said. He came out and said, like, her heart's work ethic is not great. Like, that seems to be – that's the first time I've heard that one. And um, so, very troubling. Um, again, just when you thought you had some good, <clears throat> young, uh, young up-and-coming defensemen, it looks like they have one solid guy, and that's Provorov out of, you know – Right, what, and, as, he's, as, and out he of can be very – and bring that at times, in my opinion. Yeah, um, and he's kind of had some regression issues as well. So, you're, and you're asking way too much of Justin Braun, and we all knew that coming in. I mean, yeah. he's a he's a five six defenseman on a really good team, and he's playing twenty plus minutes a night because they got nobody else. Yeah, I'll add this to the list: Konechny and Lawton. I thought those guys were going to be difference makers, not 30, 40 goal guys, but difference makers, and they're invisible. Uh, they oh. can't hit the net. They can't find the back of the net. Uh, they just seem to be frustrated. And when you have Giroux get long in the tooth and Voracek getting up there, you need the young guys to take the next step and then just be complimented by the veterans. We haven't seen that this year from the games I've watched. And you just look at the stats, it's pretty evident. Yep. But again, really tough division. No easy nights unless you're playing the Sabres. Um, and honestly, it's just it's been a battle for them. Um, okay, Philadelphia Phillies. We'll wrap it up here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Opening day is Thursday. So, the other day, God bless his heart, 10-year-old Jake O'Donnell, when I told him <laughs> Phillies were getting started, he, like, asked me who the Phillies added. 
or like what was different about the roster. I forget how he phrased it. And I literally didn't know what to tell the kid. Uh, who did they add? <laughs> I was like, well, they brought back Real Muto and they re-signed Didi, so that was good. And he was like, huh. And I think the phrase he said was, so they're going to be oh, – God, he didn't say dumpster fire, but he basically was like, so they're going to – basically he's like they're going to suck again is what he, what he said. Sure. And, and I was like, hmm. Now, I think we all have hope for the Phillies. It's a new year, and, and every, every year with a new season, depending on the sport, doesn't matter. You know, we always have that hope. Um, I heard some WIP talk today. Archie Bradley coming out of the bullpen, a big addition. I'd kind of forgotten about him. I guess he throws hard. But I don't know much else about this Phillies roster um, as far as additions go, John Mita. I mean, what are you thinking for the Phils? Who? Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, additions. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't see much. I mean, sure, did they add a couple of relievers? Yeah. I guess so. Um, but Archie, they had to. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Archie Bradley, um, again, it's just you, you look around and, again, another squad with just holes, okay? It feels like everybody else got better in the division. Of course they did because they have a minor league farm system and we do not. And that is the problem with this team. But, again, will they be better? Maybe a little bit. Um if people can stay healthy, uh, the lineup is there. I think yes. the biggest thing for them is what are they going to get from their starting pitching? How good is Aaron Nola going to be? How good can Zach Wheeler be? Eflin, what's he going to be? And then you. I think the, the season. Am I crazy if I say that Eflin? The season hinges on Eflin. No, I wouldn't say you're crazy at all because I think you're a hundred percent correct. Because they're going to can be the difference. They're between gonna, you know right. in a three game series, right? You know, and you're going one, two, and three, or sure, you know, he's if he's going out there every fifth day and giving you quality starts, right? That just gives them so much better chance to win. And Alec Bohm is one guy I'm really excited about. Yep. I think he's going to hit 300. I'm going to say it now. Hold me to it. I know we've been fooled in the past with guys that have had a half a season or a month. Whether it goes back to Dom Brown or it's Herrera, or pick your poison as far as a guy that we got all excited about, jetpacks, who oh. can't even make the freaking roster, oh my and, they, and they flame out. Yep. I think what I, what I saw from Alec Bohm, look, pitchers all just, it ain't going to be all roses, but this kid uses the whole field. He seems to approach his plate appearances the right way, and I think in a loaded lineup, he's going to have a big year. Book Alec Bohm. For a 300 average, you heard it here first on the Brother of Love podcast. I love that bold prediction. I, I, I love his approach at the plate. I mean, coming down the stretch at the end of last year when he was basically seeing a lot of time all the time. So um, clutch. Huge. Huge. So that's going to be good. You know, can Reese Hoskins get back to some familiar form? Reese's pieces. I mean, that would Ugh. be big. I know. Another guy. That, and again, know, and then you I look, was put in the Hall of Fame. And now, and last year, he stunk. And then you look at center field, it's like uh, center field. It's an albatross. How, how come we can't sign a center fielder? And, again, talking about stupid money, and thank God they brought back Real Muto because this would be an absolute – you want to talk about Dude, if great. Andrew Knapp was the starting catcher on Thursday, I wouldn't watch the game. Yep, I'm pretty sure that you would be swan dining, off, swan diving <laughs> off the Ben Franklin, and I would probably – not only would I push you, I'd jump with you. Um, so – yeah, I mean, it's 
listen, optimistic, okay, but this is going to be a hard division. You know, Washington's yep. good. Atlanta's always top notch. The Mets have definitely improved with some of the offseason moves they've made. So it doesn't get easy, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And I think it's still up in the air, right, Joe, as far as they still are kind of uncertain if they're going to expand the playoff format yet. Have they made a decision on that? I'm not really sure. I, I don't know either. Still... That's a good question. Yeah, but the Phillies so. could use any expansion possible. Exactly. Because uh, they, they're not a team that's uh, anybody's favorite to win the NL. Well, maybe they'll surprise us all. Well, and you, uh, and you hope, John. and you hope too, like Spencer Howard. I mean, he's not ready to pitch at this level, but you hope maybe he can come up at the end of the year and be a solid force starter. And then you could throw me, you, or somebody else of our liking in the uh, in that fifth spot. So. We'll see. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some homework uh, on the fills the next 48 hours to get ready for opening day. Sure. I'll be dialed in, um, and I'll probably be by the bottom of the first inning cursing this baseball team to high hell. Sure. But, uh, you know, Mobile. that's just the reality. Yeah. <laughs> Life exactly. of a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Yeah. All right, Johnny. Made it good stuff, brother. You brought good it today. Stuff. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Appreciate the support. We know it was a little long, but there was just so much to get to. But. We just love doing this. I know I do. I know Joe. It's a great outlet for both of us. So, again, thanks for all the support. And uh, go all Philadelphia teams. But, I, and listen, I think the biggest thing to hang our hat, I think this is going to be a great run for the Sixers. I really do. If Joel Embiid comes back healthy, I think we could be in for a nice, long, great summer. I love it. For John Mayda, Joe Donald, Brother Love Podcast. Appreciate everybody, too.